What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Self Helpless. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Delaney Fisher. And happy 1st of May. And we are very excited to be recording today's episode. We're going to talk about something that uh, I've been talking about in therapy recently. It's based on stuff I've been going through in my career, especially. But we're going to talk about learning how to trust yourself. And I think it's something that can be applied to... uh, uh, I think any area of life, but it's definitely Definitely. something I have been feeling a lot lately. So um, with it being May 1st, that means I've got a bunch more tour dates coming up. I would love if you guys came and saw me on the road. I'm going to be in Uncasville and Salt Lake City this month. And then next month in June, I will be in Las Vegas. I will be in Burbank and then Phoenix, Davenport, Dania Beach, Fort Collins, so many more coming up. So you can get tickets at KelseyCook.com. And you can also go watch my special, The Hustler, on YouTube. Please, please yeah. go watch it. Spread it around. Uh, get the word out there. I would appreciate it very much. Fabulous. And if you are enjoying podcasts, you know, you're a podcast listener. <laughs> I got another one uh, called The Minimalist Business Podcast. You can find it at DelaneyFisher.com. It's a private podcast, but it's completely free. And it, we talk about building your dream business, your dream career, your dream life all around. Um, and we'd love to have you over there. So come on over and check it out. DelaneyFisher.com. Um, you will get episodes delivered straight to your inbox. You can also uh, connect it to your favorite podcast app. And yeah, just love doing that podcast uh, just as much as this one. So we'd love to have you. Yeah. So before we get into our topic for the day, we've got a quotable and, and then Del, you said that you've got a quotable buffet as well. Sure do. But we'll, (laughs) we'll kick it off with a quote that isn't attributed to anybody in particular, but this was submitted by Helpster Joseph. So um, the quote is feelings are not facts. And yeah, that's, 
That's a great quote. That is so it good. Really yeah, so good. We make so many assumptions based on how we are feeling. We make assumptions about other people based on how mm. we feel. And it's just so good to like recalibrate. Um, you know, feelings are important, but there's always another side of the story. And there's, you know, there's things that you can learn from all different perspectives. So I love that one. It's a good reminder. Yeah. When we had Whitney Cummings on, this is something that I have thought about probably 5,000 times since we had her on. It's something that really stuck <laughs> with me. She talked about that in the 12 step programs, they do the thing called halt, where it's yeah. that you don't get into any sort of important conversations or anything like that when you are either hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And right. I know I've mentioned this, I think I mentioned this on uh, maybe a recent relationship episode too, that I've been using that a lot in my relationship that if there's something I want to talk about, but I can feel that I'm super tired or maybe my partner's super tired or, uh, you know, I also like to say include under the influence or hungover to that yeah. <laughs> halt, right? Yes. I don't, I don't think that those are good headspaces to be in when you have big conversations. And so the whole feelings are not facts thing. I have definitely had some feelings when I'm in a place of either being like too tired or burnt out that once I just take a nap, I wake up and I'm like, wow, I feel completely differently about that right. thing that I thought I for sure knew how I felt about it. Absolutely. You like just never know what's going on in somebody else's brain the way that you yeah. do yours and how all their experiences shape their outlook and their behavior so differently than yours. So yeah, yeah that's such a good one. If you want to submit um, a quote that gets read on the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash helpless. Is it self-helpless or helpless? <laughs> Patreon.com slash self-helpless. Self-helpless. We'd yeah. love to have you over there. You can submit that stuff. Um, and we just love, we love the quotes that you come up with. And um, so thank you, Joseph, for doing that. And then I do have a little quotable buffet. We enjoy a little quotable buffet every once in a while. We do. And, I always you know, love them. Thank you for uh, getting some. Oh, yes. Uh, quotable Buffet uh, TM. That's a Kelsey Cook. Uh, I think uh, I think you started saying Quotable Buffet. I love it. I use it all the time. That sounds um, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's hungry. Yes. <laughs> okay. So this one is from Jennifer Roger- Rajaskar. I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing. Um, trusting someone is good, but trusting them more than you trust yourself is bad. <gasps> oh, what a quote. I mean, so simple, but so poignant, potent. God, kick me right in the throat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, I have to have one from Oprah every time. There's always going to be one from Oprah. Yeah. Trust your, your instincts. Intuition doesn't lie. Delicious. Yeah. Always a good reminder. Yeah. Um, this one is from Angelina Jolie. When I get logical and I don't trust my instincts, that's when I get in trouble. Ooh. right when you start getting into your head instead mm-hmm. of like how does it feel in my heart and my body and just mm-hmm. my gut instinct uh this is a eleanor roosevelt roosevelt quote no one can make you feel inferior without your consent i thought that was a really good one when it comes to trust and self-trust yeah. mm-hmm. uh louise hey you have been criticizing yourself for years and it hasn't worked try approving of yourself and see what happens Oh boy. And the final, a oh, couple more, uh, Roy Bennett, the more you trust yourself, the less you compare yourself to others. And the final one is an Emerson quote, self-trust is the first secret of success. Yeah. Just munch on those, will you? Snack God. it up. Thank you. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I'm like pausing to think about all of those because they're just, yeah, they're great. They're really great. Yeah. 
So good. And th that's the thing. It's like the, the people that become successful in their field or, or they do amazing things, they really have to trust themselves because a lot of it hasn't been done before. They're going against mm -hmm. the grain in some way. They're saying something that, you know, takes a lot of courage. Like it's all comes down to that self-trust. And I think that just always relates to self-worth and confidence. And yeah. anyway, very excited about this episode. Yes. Yes. So like I mentioned, I have gone through a couple career things lately that kind of, uh, I don't know if I want to say they shook my trust in myself, but I think mm -hmm. it more just brought some things to the surface that had not really been tested in a while. Yeah. So, so I did the Tonight Show again, and you guys probably, I, I can't remember how open I was on the podcast about my feelings about the first time I did the Tonight Show. But yeah. the first the first time I did it was five years ago, and man, I was so nervous going out there because it was like my first TV appearance, which is pretty unusual that your first television appearance is the Tonight yeah. Show. Usually, comics have some kind of smaller appearances that happen leading up to it, right. and uh, because the Tonight Show is kind of like the I, in my opinion, and I think a lot of other people's opinion, it's kind of like the biggest late night set that you can do. Right. Right. And so I had like a month of time that between when I knew I was going to be doing it and when I did it. And that was too much time, I think, for somebody mm -hmm. like me. It was just a lot of time to get in my head. And the process of doing it, they give you so many notes of like how to deliver your jokes and the way you need to walk out onto the stage and where you should be looking and smile at this part. And basically by the time I walked out there, I had a checklist of 45 things that I was trying to do and yeah. also just tell my jokes. <laughs> like, oh, that's the worst. Yeah, like remember my jokes and be myself and feel like myself on stage. And... You know, I, I look back, if, if I watch the set back, it's like, I still, I'm, I'm proud of those jokes and it was a great crowd. And, and I do think it was a great set, but I can tell that I was like very in my own head when I was out there. I, I went a lot slower than I usually would have. And I can just see myself during that set going through the checklist of like, are you doing this right right now? Are you doing this part right right now? Right. And it was... Um, maybe a little traumatizing. <laughs> I yeah, will say. it was yeah. that was an experience that I hadn't had yet in this business, and it kind of shook me up a little bit. So then, you know, fast forward five years, I'm doing it again, and I was really trying to tell myself going into it, like, all right, let's try to be more loose this time. Let's try to be more go with the flow. If you're getting a lot of notes from the show hear them out, but like, remember that you know what you're doing and right. just go be yourself. And uh, I had started to have this fear. And I think I have talked about this in the past year. This fear had started to develop in the past year that I was going to go blank on stage. Mm. And I had always thought of that voice almost as like a bully like some part of my brain that was just trying to fuck with me and test me or I thought it was coming from a, like a mean place. 
and I couldn't really figure it out. I'm like, why, why am I doing this to myself? And that voice really came back intensely for the tonight show, because if you're doing a regular show on tour and you go blank on stage, you know, you're, that's not an ideal situation, but you are just at a comedy club. You can go, Oh shit, lost my place. Sorry guys. Hold on one second. Like you can just have a human moment and move forward. Right. There's so much pressure when you do the tonight show, you are expected to go out there and nail it. Right. There's no like multiple takes. It's like you get the one shot. So because of that level of pressure, I had started to really psych myself out. And I kept telling myself, like, you need to run this set an abnormal amount of times before you actually perform it on The Tonight Show so that you can quiet that voice. I thought that that was what the remedy was to Mm. that. I thought that that would make that voice go away is if I just knew the set so well front and back that it, it wouldn't concern me about going blank on stage. Right. But what that did was I ran, <laughs> I was running this set sometimes like three times a night, um, staying out way too late, doing the set on really shitty shows just to, just to like work on it, just to get the muscle memory And so what that was doing, it was, I was like burning myself out. I was not taking care of myself, which is the exact opposite of what you should be doing going into an important performance. You should be focusing on like, am I in good health? Am I getting enough sleep? Right. But I got this really intense, like laser focus on, I'm just going to make sure I run it enough times. And I... Did the Tonight Show, you know, you walk out there, you hit your mark, you start into your set. And I got like three sentences into my set and I had that moment where my brain fucked with me and was like, and was like, you're about to forget your next line. Oh, God. And fortunately, it, like, you can watch this set back and you would never be able to tell. Like, there's no, there's no lapse at all. There's literally like, you, you cannot tell. But right. in my mind, I had this moment of, oh, my God, what if I forget my next line on The Tonight Show? Right. And fortunately, it came to me immediately. But, like, I was so annoyed with myself that that process was, like, very panicky again. I was full of so much anxiety. And um, I, I ended up talking to my therapist about it all afterward. And she was like, so do you realize that that voice that you think is this bully voice or that is just like fucking with you? Do you realize that that's coming from a place of fear? And I was like, oh, I mean, I guess not. I I really didn't see it as fear. I saw it as like, oh, don't don't fuck up, (laughs) which is so silly. Like, why would my brain do that to me? But when she was like, no, it's coming from a place of fear, that made so much sense. And then she goes, when you picture that voice that's saying that to you, how old do you picture that that version of you is? And I could pinpoint immediately that it was third grade me. (laughs) (laughs) And this is also, but I swear, I I think so many people are going to feel this way. And I just, it blew my mind. Everything that my therapist said blew my mind. So I was like, 
oh yeah third grade me and she's like okay so why that age and I know I've talked on the show about how my third grade I had like two it was like a combo thing there were two teachers teaching this third grade class and they were truly like Mrs. Trunchbull from Matilda they Oh, oh yeah yeah they should not have been allowed to be in charge of children they were like verbally abusive they were truly horrible people horrible people screamed at kids all day long and I you guys know on this show we're like type a plus and I've been that way my whole life I've been always always so uh like studious and overachiever wanting to make sure I'm doing everything right straight a student and I remember in third grade this was like I would witness them screaming at other kids in class and I would get I would feel physically sick watching them Mm. scream at other kids what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I remember going to the nurse's office pretty frequently. I think that's like when my anxiety truly started was I would feel like I was actually sick, like I was going to throw up because I was so anxious being in that class. Yeah. And then I remember one, one day I finished my assignment and I couldn't remember what bin they had said to put it in. And I asked the teacher and she screamed at me for not knowing which bin it was in and it dude like third grade me had never it had not experienced that yeah and anyway I just I was like laughing with my therapist because I was like I can't believe that things that have happened from a teacher in third grade can impact this part of your brain that you're almost 34 and you're still now so terrified to make a mistake because that's where that voice is coming from for me of like don't make a mistake don't fuck up don't forget your line is like something happened in my brain that was like if you fuck up that's genuine fear that you will feel right that's like a horrible feeling so I've tried so hard always to avoid making mistakes and when I told her I was like god I think that's so weird that it's a third grade she goes it's not at all think about it when you're in elementary school you are spending nine months out of the year around these adults for the entire day. Right. And when you're at that age, I think when you're away from your parents, you look at whatever adult is in charge of you as like, that's the person you're relying on. Right. right? 
And I never thought of it that way that fuck nine months of every day minus the weekends being around adults who are verbally abusive and just like horrible. Of course that's traumatic, but you just think it, it sounds silly to still be referring to your third grade teacher as somebody who fucked with you and like fucked you up. And my therapist was like, you would be shocked if you could know like how many clients of mine on a weekly basis are talking about their elementary school teachers or their um, sports coaches. Oh yeah. I totally, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, God, sports coaches for sure. I've definitely had my fair share of those that have been yeah. insane. It's like, if you're getting yelled at means, okay, you, um, you suck, you're not talented, you know, you're stupid. It's like, it, it just immediately makes you feel all those things. And so you carrying an adulthood, I'm wondering what do you think would happen or how do you think you'd feel if you did stumble upon a word on the tonight show or you, you know what I mean? Like, what do you think that means about you? Because chances are not everybody is thinking those things about you. You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah. And I, I told myself, I was like, okay, picture that like worst case scenario, you do forget a line. Right. What would happen? You would just say, sorry, like, can I just take that again? Or like, I mean, it's still television where like editing magic can be done. But I don't know. I, my therapist was like, so this is an issue of not trusting yourself and letting that fear override your natural instincts because Because what you did to prepare for The Tonight Show was completely unnatural compared to how you usually prepare for shows. You don't go run your set 50,000 times for a regular show. And you you have to find ways to learn how to trust yourself so that you don't completely burn out and make these sort of processes for, for big appearances a nightmare. And I, man, it's just so funny. Like you think being in therapy for a long time, doing a self-help podcast, I feel like I know myself really well and have a lot of my stuff figured out, but that totally shocked me. I was like, oh yeah, I really didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my own mind to perform. Like I thought I had to drill it in it in a, in an insane way, but um, I don't know. That was just kind of like a revelation for me. And I don't know if other people ha- also have some experiences with elementary school teachers or middle school teachers where you feel almost like a degree of shame. Like for me, it feels like shameful to still be affected by that. And the way my therapist put it into perspective of like, it is nine months of a year that you're with those people. And when you're young, they're shaping your life. And, oh yeah, you know, I, I was very fortunate that I didn't grow up around my parents yelling at me. Like they, I was never like screamed at by my parents. I witnessed them fighting with one another before the divorce, but I, I was not screamed at as a child. And I know that I'm very fortunate and that that is certainly not everybody's experience. So maybe some kids in my class, them getting screamed at by the teachers wasn't, as shocking to them. Mm. Maybe it was more like they had a thicker skin. For me, witnessing 
these teachers scream at kids and like like they would like make kids cry in class i'm telling you this was they should have been fired they were horrible but yeah anyway yeah so do you feel like what's now kind of in your toolkit now like when you think about okay so my next appearance i'm not going to do all this stuff but i'm going to do this instead what does that look like now that you're aware of this yeah so it looks like it looks like doing the work, like doing the regular amount of work to prepare for something. Of course, I'm not just going to go like wing it on the Tonight Show. You do ha- there is a certain amount of practicing it, but I realized I was shutting out that voice that would go, "Hey, I think you're ready." There would be there would be that voice in my head that was like, "I think you're ready," and then that third grader voice of fear would pop in and go, mm, "Maybe we should do it one more time." Because if you fuck up, we'll, it was like, if you fuck up, we'll never be able to forgive ourselves. If you had had the opportunity to go run it again and you chose not to. It's like, I needed to remove that from my mind. I needed to be able to tell myself like you ran it as much as humanly possible, which is so unhealthy. (laughs) Like that's not, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. The things our mind does when you're afraid. Of, of failing Absolutely. it gets into some some strange primal stuff did you find it helpful to think about worst case scenario like when you said okay worst case yeah I asked them can I take that again or I say stumbled on my line whatever like did you find it helpful and pr- like what if you were going into another situation would that be something that you would consider to remind yourself that a mistake really isn't that bad or it's not a big deal it's okay to be imperfect if something does happen yeah, I, I do think it's helpful. I think, man, my perfectionism, it's like it's so deep-seated. I am still trying to really work on that because if I, if that did happen on The Tonight Show and I did stumble, I would be really upset with myself. Yeah. So I think it's trying to tell yourself, yes, if that happens, it's not the end of the world, but it's also not ideal. Right, right. That makes sense. So have you had any experiences like that? Like when you were about to tape your comedy special or like any recent things in your career, big things coming up, have you found yourself doubting yourself or going out of your way, maybe in an unhealthy way to make sure that you're feeling more secure? Definitely. I I feel like when I was still performing, the, I always had bad stage fright. And that was my biggest fear every time on stage. I'm going to just, I'm going to blank. I'm going to blank. I'm going to forget the stuff that I wrote, all that kind of stuff. And what I did to help me with that fear is I created a list of like one-liner jokes that I told myself, like, if you forget something, pull one of these out of your pocket and just move on and try to get, get it back on track. So I, I basically was like, let's just plan that this is going to happen to you at some point. What are you going to do about it? Okay. You can shift, you know, you can shift into crowd work. You can pull out these one-liners. You can pull out your notes. Maybe you can talk about how, Oh my God, I, I am, you know, I'm forgetting my own jokes that I fucking wrote. How ridiculous is this? This is why they don't whatever. Right. So making a joke out of you, how could I make a joke out of forgetting my shit? And then once I felt like, okay, I got these 10 things that I could pull from if this happens, that made me feel a lot better. That made me feel like, 
oh, I can trust myself because here's all the tools that I can use to kind of think on my feet. Um, and what would be the easiest to get out of me? So that's how I tried to get around. Of course, I would still blank out sometimes and I wouldn't pull any of that shit out. I would just stare, you know, terrified into the fucking light. (laughs) But luckily it's never as long as you think it is. It feels like an eternity inside your mind, but then it's really not that, that big of a deal. Um, for, for me now, I, I definitely do a lot of, you know, I do a lot of over preparation sometimes, and I've really tried to get out of that especially because of the nature of my work now, it's so Mm -hmm. tailored as a consultant, it's so tailored to the other person. So I've really tried to stop like over planning, over preparing, like not creating all these different worksheets and tools and this and that. And I just kind of let them co-create the experience. So whatever they need, I will pull from my archive and I will personalize it and send it. So I'm trying to like avoid avoid unnecessary work. Like, I guess in the way that you're thinking, I didn't have to unnecessarily prepare for the tonight show in all these ways. I could have yeah. done what I know is going to be, you know, what, what's going to make me feel confident and prepared. So, um, I can't think of a specific moment like you just experienced Kels of okay. <laughs> the, of that in, in the career stuff. I think what really shattered my self-trust in the last few years was just having to end a relationship with somebody that was very close to me for a long time. Yeah. And the realization that there was a lot of lies and, and just unfortunate behavior going on. Um, and that to me, I I thought I had a pretty good sense of self-trust. Like you said, you, like, I felt like I knew myself really well. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was just this realization like, oh, maybe you don't, you know, if you yeah. um, allowed somebody to get close to you like this, what else is not as it seems? What else is not genuine or real? Can you trust yourself with meeting new people? Like, can you trust yourself with allowing new people into your life? Um, are you even equipped to notice certain things that might not be great? So that is the last time that I truly felt like my self-trust was like really broken. And this was, I think a few years ago at this point, um, that just knocked me on my ass, you know, that I had to do a lot of repair around and yeah, you know, be in there, you know, talk to my therapist at the time about it and, and all that. And I had to, so funny, you mentioned kind of like going back to your third grade self. I had to go back to who was I, when I met this person, I, I wasn't as aware back then. I didn't have to be aware of certain things. I, um, I was more naive in certain ways. I just assumed the best intentions in everybody. Why would I assume differently? And so I had to forgive that kid basically, um, that I was when I was attracted to that type of energy or okay with certain things or like, didn't speak up for myself or other people. I had to really forgive me for being that person who felt like I got duped here. Like they must think I'm a fucking idiot for all the shit that I fell for, you know? And it's like the whole time I knew something was off, but I didn't dig into it too much. I didn't really want to. Um, 
So it's like that, that internal battle for that whole relationship of like, something's not right here, but X, Y, Z excuses for, you know, them or myself or whatever. Um, so yeah, that was the last time that I, so not, not a career thing, but a, a personal thing that really just, it changed my whole reality. You start questioning, um, your ability to make decisions and form relationships and, um, you look at the the relationships that you do have. And yeah. to be honest, I've never been somebody that struggled with trust before that. Like, yeah. even though I had been cheated on by a boyfriend and all this stuff, that was just, that felt so separate, like a weird one-off. Oh, incident. Wow. wow. You know, like I was cheated on bad by my first yes. love, like really bad. Yes. And that didn't even fuck me up. That didn't even fuck me up with trust. That shocks so, me. Which, which shocks me too, right? Like that kind of felt like, this was a one-off incidental thing of betrayal. What are the chances yeah. that's going to happen again? Right. Yeah. So when it happened again and it felt like a very big way, then it's like, Oh, this is just kind of piling on the fact that I am misreading things or I am attracted to things that I shouldn't be. Yeah. Why is that? So it's like, you know, you think about why am I susceptible to that type of thing? Like going back, you know, to any kind of conditioning that you had. And, um, so when that happened, I'd never, um, been nervous to like meet new people or, or trust new people or let, allow new people into my life. Yeah. And yeah, very recent that I have been more open to forming newer relationships. I mean, it took years I really like just wanted to isolate and keep my circle small. And if other people wanted to try to form a relationship with me in some way, I really just kind of cut it off. I just didn't, I didn't think it was worth it. I didn't think the word that it was worth the, the chance of me not really knowing what the intentions were of the person, not being able to read that yet really freaked me out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I still like struggle with that where I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get really close to somebody new again. Like, I think I'm to me, I'm like, I feel like I'm set with the people I have and I'm still learning to like build that trust. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, relate to all of that so hard. I think if you've been betrayed on a really deep level and in any kind of relationship, it, it is so hard to know if your intuition is right. Right. And right. that's like, God, that's one of the worst feelings, I, I think, is like when you're trying to repair your relationship with yourself and like what this whole episode is about is trusting yourself, but that a version of you has misread people in the past misjudged people in the past and you're like god okay well like is that part of me now still operating at all are they still making decisions on who's a good person and who isn't to have in my life and like you said I think recognizing that wasn't in the right mindset to be judging people's characters correctly and really seeing people for who they are you right. have to go like, okay, yes, I'm, I'm forgiving that part of myself. And now we know. But right. Um... Right. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. My uh, my boyfriend and I have had conversations about, you know, betrayals that we've gone through in the past. And he said something that was so powerful. And it's it's such a scary, unfortunate truth that sociopaths and good people say the same things oh oh my god yeah yeah and and that is scary but something that i think my boyfriend and i have focused a lot on in our relationship is the power of actions because at least in my experience Yes, wor- words are important. You know, they are, they are my love language. Words right. of affirmation, words are important. But a lot of people can say things. And I think it's the people who don't back them up with actions that that's when you have to start being honest with yourself and being like, okay, how much weight do these words really have? So in our relationship, I feel like we're, you know, we are very affectionate with words but we're very action based too in Absolutely. in expressing our love and and all of that and um yeah. yeah it takes it takes a long time to trust yourself again it totally does and i think i what was helpful for me is knowing okay what was it because there was patterns right like what was it about you know these handful of situations or people or whatever that swayed me or made me susceptible like can i see anything can i see any patterns right and it was very clear how they used their traumatic experiences almost as a weapon yeah like you should forgive me or you should be okay with this because i've been through a lot and reminding you of all the things right and I had to realize that I could have compassion for awful things that people have been through, but it does not excuse shitty behavior or abuse or whatever it is. And I couldn't separate those two for a long time. I thought that you had to stick it out with somebody if they've been through a lot, because it's not their fault that they're acting this way and they'll get better and things will improve and you should have compassion, right? I only had the compassion piece. I didn't have any boundary piece yet. And so now I am cognizant of the fact, okay, if somebody is telling me about a traumatic experience, I have to like take a step back a little bit and try to be objective. Okay. They're telling me this, what was the goal of this conversation? Am I now Am I now prioritizing their needs instead of my own? Am I susceptible to something right now? Are they going to ask me for a favor I'm uncomfortable with, right? So it's almost like, okay, I'm holding the space for this, this and that, but what um, do I need if I were to be asked about something? You know, it's like, I have to be, 
have to like be working two parts of my brain. It feels like where I used to just be enthralled in whatever they were sharing with me. And then all of my own uh, boundaries or needs or wants, desires just went out the window. It was not important. So that has been helpful to like kind of pinpoint if you are dealing with a betrayal or you're trying to work on trust is what, what is your, um, kind of like, I don't want to say weak point, but you know what I mean? Like, what is your, what is your thing? It it could be something like that. It could be something totally different. It could be that when somebody gives you a gift, then you're like more susceptible to feel right. It could be something when somebody gives you an opportunity, a career opportunity, but for me, it was very clear what it was. And so that's been helpful. I think Yeah. to pinpoint, you know? Yeah. You and I, I think have really similar backgrounds with that in terms of kind of that like savior instinct or, or rescuing instinct, I guess. Maybe savior is not the right. I don't know if that's the right word I want to use. Rescuing. Yeah. Rescuing. Yeah. Where you like, when somebody is telling you what they've been through, just feeling so much empathy for that. Yeah. And then using that as the way you, you worded it perfectly where it's like that would override your boundaries. Right. And right. that would become the priority is, is making sure that they're okay in that. And um, yeah, I just, I love that quote we've said on the show a million times of don't set yourself on fire to keep somebody warm. Right. Right. And I used to be real big on just burning up. <laughs> Frying yeah. to a crisp because it just felt like like even in this episode where I'm saying, you know, like I know how grateful I am that I didn't have parents who screamed at me at a young age. It's like I think I'm I'm always hyper aware that other people might have had worse experiences than I have yeah, growing same. up. And if somebody's trauma is worse than mine, I've had um, a habit of then like excusing bad behaviors. Yes. Because I'm like, well, I didn't go through what they went through. I can't imagine what kind of impact that would have on them. So if they're acting out, behaving poorly, I I guess I should excuse it because it's like... Right. It's almost like I was trying to make a balance sheet in my mind of like, well, they've had it harder than I have. So now I have to be okay receiving, not being treated well right? in certain ways. You know what I mean? It's like- Definitely. But that's not how life works. Yes. It's such a good point, Kelsey. I totally resonate with that. And I think what has helped me as an adult is, um, you know, when I look at the people that I know- um, Like I know somebody who's went through so much trauma, horrific stuff growing up, and they're just such lovely, gentle, compassionate, such a compassionate person. Yes. And then I, when I look at this person that used to be in my life who went through, you know, that type of trauma and whatever their coping mechanism had to be to survive it became very just selfish and manipulative and controlling instead and so if you know it's interesting to see how the brain works when two different people go through even similar trauma what the coping mechanism could be 
for each of those individuals and you have compassion for both people. Yeah. But then you see what they're doing with that as an adult. And then you realize, you know what? Yeah. The trauma just doesn't excuse this behavior. Not everybody is acting this way. Who's gone through these things. Right. And, and it's okay to have trauma and to go through things, but it's not okay to then become like the abuser towards other people. Um, so, you know, instead of lighting yourself on fire to keep others warm, just turn the heater on, just turn the heater on. (laughs) And leave everybody warm without any work on your part. (laughs) You know, like, um, but yeah, that's just the God, if you think about what you would, if you could go back in time, knowing what you know now, how, I don't know, your experiences would be, would be so different. Um, but you know, it's also, I think important to have these things. I mean, they're huge lessons for sure. I wouldn't change anything that's happened in my life because I do think that the lessons I've learned are so invaluable, but yeah, I've learned that compassion is really like a, this and that thing, not a this or that it's like, you can have compassion for people from a distance. Yes. Compassion doesn't have to look like rescuing and not having your needs met and having your boundaries crossed. It's just like, you know, people, people cope with things different ways, but it's your choice how much you want to involve yourself in that. Absolutely. I think it's also interesting. I know that there's something called the confidence gap, right? But the differences between uh, men and women, and unfortunately, I don't think they have any, um, um, data on like nine non-binary people, but we can probably assume that the women category is how most marginalized people feel, but that there's a lot of studies that show that men just naturally have more confidence and trust in themselves than women do. And I think that's always important to keep in mind as well. Just the way that you're conditioned. I feel like we have to work even harder to stand our ground and yeah. and trust in ourselves, and I think that could be a, an interesting just episode alone. It's like that that gap in confidence and trust. Um, yeah, to get like an expert on to talk about that. But yeah, I just feel like you know you're already less trusting of yourself if you're part of a marginalized group. So it's like, yes. gosh, just to even level out with other people takes Ugh. a lot more work and a lot more sifting and unlearning and unconditioning. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about your perfectionistic stuff now? Like, do you feel better about like, okay, if I'm imperfect, it doesn't mean X, Y, Z about me. Like, what do you do to help yourself with like the, the fact that we're all imperfect and we're all going to make mistakes? Yeah. I had kind of a cool thing happened that at the time I was like oh my god I'm so, I can't believe that happened but now I'm like that's actually kind of neat when I was running the tonight show set one of the shows I did I did blank out mm. and it was like I um it wasn't I mean it was kind of like I blanked out but I basically I started into the incorrect joke so I got like a sentence okay. into the next joke and then I remembered like oh that's not how I'm doing the order of this yeah. And so then I went, oh, shoot, hold on. And I like paused for a sec. And it's like your adrenaline is through the roof because you're like, oh, my God, it's happening. Like, this is what I'm afraid of. And it's happening right now. And I just said into the mic, I was like, sorry, guys, I'm I'm doing the Tonight Show in a week. And I have to like make sure I know these jokes right. And I just realized I started the wrong joke. So like, give me one sec so I can think of what the next one is. And like, as I was... 
and I think I said like, fuck, I better, I hope I don't do this shit on the Tonight Show. And like yeah. people were laughing and it was such a human moment. Yeah. And then I remembered, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And then I got into it and Chad was there and afterward he was like, because I was, I got upstairs and I was like, God, that's so embarrassing. And he was like, what are you talking about? He's like, A, like you crushed, like that set was so good. He goes, and B, I think it's, I kind of like that that happened because it was so human and I feel like it like thawed you out a little bit. It yeah. took you out of that more, you know, like robotic running the Tonight Show set, going through the motions and more just like, oh, you're a human. You like couldn't think of the next line for a second. You told us that and then you got right back into it. Right. And it's it's like you said, where you feel in the moment like it's lasting an eternity. And I listened back to it on my voice memo and it was like fuck it, four seconds, maybe. I mean, it was so short. Right. And I'm like talking during, it's not just four seconds of silence. And uh, so I'm trying to, you know how we keep talking about on the Stutz documentary that he says that every pearl has a little bit of shit in it? Right, right. I'm also, I think it could be helpful to think of it too, that every shit has a pearl as well. Yes. Like every thing that happens, we're like, oh God, I wish that hadn't happened. There's yeah. usually a silver lining. And so I... I'm trying to look at it like that, that it's okay to be human. Like nobody's expecting you right. to right. be a robot. I don't know why I think that, yeah. but, you know, maybe it's from, from third grade with getting screamed at over something so not scream at you worthy. I think right. that was a big part of why that scrambled my wires so much as a kid because it was like, that message to a child is like, you are not allowed to, it wasn't even to make mistakes. It was like, you aren't even allowed to ask questions. Yeah. Right. Which was, so, I mean, that's really tough on a kid. Right. <laughs> you just like, I was just this like small, sweet little kid. Like, can you tell me which bin this goes in? And it was like World War II. It was insane. Yeah. And even the uh, example of the Stutz documentary the whole thing that made that so appealing was the revealing of how imperfect it was. Yes. Right. Like that's the thing that made it like, could you imagine if Jonah Hill just had not done that or whatever the choices that the crew of the team made together yeah. did not do that. And instead just kept pretending that it was just like one session and all that yeah. stuff. Like it would have been fine. It would have been fine. Good, whatever. But it was so much more powerful with the imperfection of it. And, um, that's like really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And I like when I, when I think about if I'm putting too much pressure on myself that I can't be imperfect, that if I make a mistake, it means that I'm not credible. I'm not worthy. I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. I don't deserve X, Y, and Z. I just look at other people who have either made mistakes or they have showed their imperfections and how powerful it was and how it made me more drawn to their work. Like that's yeah. a great example. Um, also even just comedian or any performer on stage, if they, if they mess up, like if you take a comedian who stumbles or whatever, mentions something after they fuck up. Um, and it's funny. It's like, to me, that's revealing, oh, they're a funny person. They're not just a person saying funny things that are pre-rehearsed. It makes yeah. them a better comedian in my mind that they can be honest and real and in the moment and still be funny. And so yes. I have to just, that that's a helpful thing for me to remember is like, do you feel this way about other people that you admire? No, 
Yeah. The majority of people are not going to feel that way about you. If you are honest about imperfections, yeah. you know, they might even be more, more, um, likely to engage with you or appreciate your work or whatever it might be. So I think that's super helpful. And just like looking at the stuff that we've all, we've already gone through. If you're really yeah. having a hard time trusting yourself, you look at like, man, I got through this. I got through that. I'm going to get through this too. And what yeah. other, what things can you bring from your past into the present that have really worked for you. Like that thing I mentioned where before I'd go on stage, I'd remind myself of all the little tools that I had in my back pocket, literally kept a piece of paper in my back pocket Yeah, with all the things, right. And never to be honest, never had to use it, but just knowing it was there made me feel so much better. Yeah. And that I had that fucking piece of paper on everything, whether it was like on camera or not, it always was there. It was like just a little shield. Um, but I bring that concept into my work now, even though I'm not a performer, I will, if I'm getting nervous about a meeting or something, I will, I will say, okay, what could I write down to like help myself right now? Okay. Remember when this happened or this person said something nice or this accomplishment that you're proud of. And it will put, it will give me that same feeling of ease going into something that's nerve wracking, almost like the equivalent of stage fright used to be for me in my, you know, present life. So I think those are helpful. Do you have any other little nuggets or tools or exercises you like Kels for perfectionism stuff? Yeah, I think I I love your method of having a couple things ready to go. I think it is helpful for me to picture worst case scenario and going, okay, well, if that happens, are you still alive? You are. Okay, cool. It's going right. to be, it's going to be okay. Right. But I, honestly, I am excited to try to test out what my therapist is encouraging me to do, which is to really like cut back on rehearsing, cut back on those sort of things. Like, I don't know if, if I told her like, oh, I'm thinking about having a piece of paper in my back pocket. My therapist at this point with me might be like, I don't want you to do that because right. I want you to fully trust yourself Right. And it's scary. It's real scary. But I'm, yeah. I felt really hopeful leaving that session recently because I'm excited for the next opportunity to try that out. Because it's not, it's just not every day in your career that you do the Tonight Show. <laughs> so it's like yeah. sometimes, like I was, when I was watching Rihanna do her Super Bowl performance, I was watching it again recently. And I wonder what that's like for her as somebody who, you know, stadium tours, whatever. I'm assuming that there's a level of nerves that go into that. But for her, that is her, her usual baseline, right? Of performing. Doing the Super Bowl, everybody's watching that. And I wonder, I was like, God, I wonder what her process is. If Mm -hmm. she has those sort of nerves like that, if she has those moments of like, what if I fuck up and forget the lyrics or the right. choreography? I would just be so curious what that's like for people at that level. Absolutely. Yeah. I could ask. Yeah. Maybe she'll be the she'll do the podcast. Um, Slim yes, fucking chance. I, I anytime, like you mentioned, like anytime you are too in your head and it takes you out of your body and like the present moment it's probably not going to be a great experience. Like it's not going to feel good. Even if it maybe seems fine to other people, it's just probably not going to feel very good yeah. to you. Or 
Yeah. Like I, I am more likely to mess up if I have too much that I'm thinking about, even on this podcast, it took me so long to learn that I need to just write out three to five bullet points of ideas or thoughts that I have instead of 500, because Mm -hmm. then when I'm looking at it, my brain is overwhelmed. Um, the goal, the goal that my brain has when I have too many bullet points written down is make sure you get all of these points out. And it takes me out of the present moment, out of an organic conversation, which is the reason people listen to this podcast is the organic present conversation. And so I've had to learn like, yeah, it's not not good to just, you know, list, 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 list. But I have, I had to work that muscle where I will write everything down and I'll just pick my top three to five favorites or something, but even something like that, um, uh, you know, podcasting has take, has been a process of, how can you not be so in your head and yeah. just okay with breathing room? Like yeah. you have yeah. a loose plan, but you have a lot of spaciousness for like uncertainty and like mm-hmm. things to happen organically, which can be a little scary, but um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Oh, it's been really nice to talk to you about this stuff. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, well, we've got... Uh, an iTunes review of the episode and we've got a personalized shout out. So iTunes review of the episode uh, is from a bit less gray says belated appreciation for the support absorbed over the years. It's been a bit since I've listened and suddenly today I saw the, is it anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder episode? Um, And it was so helpful to listen to with the clear conceptual jewels. I get it interiorly so much more clearly now through the work done with my therapist and from the, whoa, that sounds like me moments and community felt with you all and those you invite in to share and illuminate the shared weirdness in us. (laughs) And with those that make up psychology in Seattle that have helped fuel, uh, that have helped fuel me to feeling not so alone and celebrating all the small victories. Sending this now before procrastination or perfectionism (laughs) can get hands on it. Uh, uh, Grateful for all that make this, grateful for you all that make this be, particularly Delaney and Kelsey and of course Taylor too. Oh, Oh, wow. Thank you so so much. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad that that episode helped people. Yeah, what a fucking review. Yeah, Yeah. that was, that was super helpful to me as well. Um, Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much for leaving the time and feel free to leave a review. It's never too late. Sounds like a bit less gray has been tuning in for several years and recently left a review. So, Hey, if you've been tuning in for a while, leave yeah. one now, might get right on the show. Yeah, please um, do. It helps. Yes. And seriously, yeah. thank you. That was such a nice review. And then we have a personalized shout out. Um, this is from Katie and it says, congratulations on your marriage, Aaron and Brett. I had so much fun celebrating with you and I love you. Love Katie. Oh. So Katie is one of our members over at uh, Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash self-helpless and you can also leave personalized shout outs that get read on the podcast as well, whether it's, you know, for friends, family, yourself, and let us celebrate with you. So thanks for submitting that Katie. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so great. Um, well, I have a quick good shit. I still have like a a mom update that I want to get into at some point, but I just, we're toward the end of this episode and it's, it's like a, a heavy thing. So I'll save it for another okay. one. But a good shit is that as we record this episode, my special will have been out for just under a week. And at this point, it's just under 
a quarter million views on awesome youtube which is like really exciting i i just didn't know what to expect in terms of views on youtube you know and ah i man it's just been such a positive experience so far the comment section on youtube for the special has been insanely wonderful which like for you that's awesome rarely happens yeah a lot of trolls hang out on the youtube i try to avoid (laughs) youtube comments at all costs but i man i mean you guys you you know me on this show you know how hard i am on myself you know i'm always actively finding the shit and the pearl and it's just been such a wonderful first week of the special being out and I'm so glad that people are loving it and watching it and sharing it around. So if you're one of the people that has, thank you so much. It's making my whole week. It's been really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Kels. Congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, I don't really have a, uh, yeah, I guess I have a, the fuck is happening. That's my right. segment. Um, <laughs> so my puppy goose just turned one recently and he has the worst habit of pissing on our curtains, oh. lifting his leg and pissing on my nice white curtains. Okay. No. And oh my God, I've just tried everything and I, I clean it right away. I, I, I washed, like I hand wash them. Um, I, somebody online said that maybe spraying like vinegar and baking soda on, on it. So the, they don't smell their scent and want to repee mm. on it but just things don't seem to be working very well. Actually, the last couple of weeks have been okay. I'm hoping he's like grown out of the phase, Yeah. but I don't know how the fuck to stop making a dog piss on a curtain. It was a problem. I didn't know that I'd ever have in my, in my life. And um, for my birthday, I asked Cam if he could just get our curtains dry clean. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have the best birthday present. Oh my God. So I don't know if any of you have a hot tip and you want to send it in self podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I don't, yeah. Don't know what to do because I don't know if he's confused that, you know, he lifts his leg outside on trees and things like that, that maybe he thinks that's a fucking indoor tree. I don't know what this asshole is thinking, but it's uh, truly pissing me off. So literally that's yeah, literally. Yes. <laughs> May I ask why it has to be a floor curtain? Can it just be a shorter curtain? So he's not able to reach it? I guess I could, I guess I could like tie it up, but it's like, you know, it's, it's from the, yeah, the ceiling to the floor. I, because it, it, I don't think it would cover the full window. Like if it was see, a short, it's a curtain. long window. Exactly. I, I They're all like our big, long, long windows. So oh. yeah, he's just, he's That's got unfortunate. So, yeah. He's got so many behavioral issues that we just didn't have to deal with, with Maverick. Yeah. You know, like that's always how it is. The second child, the second dog. I know. <laughs> now I'm like, oh my god. I I can imagine people who have human children. They're like, oh, the first one was so easy and great. Let's have another one. And they're like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, I I hear that happening so oh, often. And so. so yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, just gosh, if you have any advice, <laughs> could really use it. All right. Well, sending <laughs> you good thoughts. I hope that that stops for you. Me too. I'll keep you posted, everybody. I will keep you posted. (laughs) All right. Okay, guys. We hope that you're having a great week. Um, KelseyCook.com for tour dates and watch The Hustler on YouTube. Yeah. DelaneyFisher.com for the Minimalist Business Podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. 